All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, joined by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. This is our first show with a new name and modified format, and we're very excited for a new era of what was formerly the Ben and Corey podcast. Today's main topic is a wildcard round of the NFL playoffs, so we'll talk about the opening round and make our first set of predictions. We'll also discuss the college football playoffs and preview Alabama-Clemson round four in the quick header segment. Later in the episode, we introduce two of our new He's Done It segments, Embrace Debate and Wiki Geeks. And then we'll wrap things up with our top five number two things in honor of LeBron James's and Tiger Woods' recent birthday. So with that, let's get started. everyone to he's done it uh, we were the ben and Corey podcast but we have a new brand uh, with a new name new podcast art and we have brian wells joining us as a full-time uh, co-host so we're very excited for this uh, we're gonna have mostly the same content as you can tell uh, by listening to this episode and we're going to start things off with uh, what I believe, and I, I'm sure that Brian and Ben will agree, is our uh, to collective best topic, and that is the National Football League. And we have the wild card round uh, ready to start this weekend with four games, two from the AFC, two from the NFC. So we're going to go ahead and make some predictions. And we have a little competition going. So... Uh, the way that's going to work is we're going to get points for correctly predicting the matchup as well as for being close with the score. So if our score for a team is within three points, we'll get one point. So a possible three points per matchup. And we're also going to make our initial Super Bowl pick. And if our teams are correct, we'll get three points each for the AFC and the NFC. So let's get started by talking about this weekend's games and the first one on Saturday at 4:35 on ESPN and ABC it is AFC South rivals the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Houston Texans yeah and I guess I, I want to get started on this one because I predicted that all of the AFC South teams would go undefeated this year and at least two of them made the playoffs so at least I was in the right I was in the ballpark uh, <laughs> I thought it was the Jags, I think, though. I thought you were thinking it would be that. I, I did think the Jags. <laughs> I was way higher on the Jags this year than uh, they ended up performing. Um, not, I mean, I, I was mainly a believe in their defense. But they're not in the playoffs. We're talking Colts and Texans. And this is such an interesting matchup because the home team lost both times that they played this matchup this season. Uh, so does home field advantage 
Uh, or, or, or is it really a home field disadvantage for the Texans here? I'm not sure. That is yeah, definitely interesting. And I, I think that the Texans kind of got lucky in their victory over the Colts uh, back in Indianapolis in week four because the Colts decided they didn't want to play for the tie and effectively gave Houston their first win of the season. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, having home field advantage for Houston, it's going to be somewhat important but I, I really like the way that the Colts finished the season after starting one and five and the way that Andrew Luck is playing you know they went into Nashville and I know Blaine Gabbert was starting for the Titans but they beat the Titans uh, pretty easily 33 to 17 so uh, I definitely think that the Colts are more than capable of going on the road winning this game and maybe even winning on the road against some other teams in the AFC I think another thing to point out is uh if you look at the Houston Houston Texans uh, winning streak, when they went on a nine-game winning streak after they lost their first three games, they beat the Titans, uh, Cowboys when they did not have Amari Cooper. They beat the Bills, Dolphins, uh, the struggling Jags this year, the Broncos, Redskins, just a lot of teams that were either really not good or they were hit with some pretty bad injuries uh, to their rosters. I just I I definitely didn't think the Texans were all that great. I saw that winning streak coming because of their schedule, not because of their team. Well, I, I think what's going to be interesting looking at uh, these number one wide receivers because we've got a, an interesting matchup here. Uh, or, or I guess they, they're not really competing against each other per se, but uh, T.Y. Hilton and DeAndre Hopkins, two of the league's best. I know T.Y. Hilton has been struggling a little bit with like a foot or ankle injury of some sort, but he played week 17 and he was pretty lightning quick out there. Uh, and do you guys see that DeAndre Hopkins had zero drops all year? Wow, I did not yeah, I know that. Yeah, I saw that today. I didn't realize he had like 115 catches and zero <laughs> Yeah, drops. so I don't know. Like, the, I, um, I, I think you guys make a really good point about the, the uh, Texans' win streak being less valuable than maybe it appears at face value, but I still believe in, in playoff uh, Deshaun Watson. Like, I, uh, I, I'm... It, it's a tough one. This is like one of the hardest ones to pick, I think, for this weekend. Um, but I, I want to give the slightest edge to the Texans uh, because I think that in the clutch, DeAndre, Walk- DeAndre Watkins, DeAndre <laughs> <laughs> Hopkins and Watson are going to be that unstoppable duo when they need them to be. Uh, and and I, I give them also, I think that the Texans D is uh, superior to the Colts D, but I think it's going to come down to the offenses. And I think that Watson and Hopkins, that connection is going to be unstoppable. I'll give the slight edge to the Colts instead. Uh, I really like the connection that Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton have, especially in Houston or in dome games. I mean, if you look at T.Y. Hilton's game log in Houston, it's absolutely incredible. He put up 199 receiving yards in that that game that they had uh, a few weeks back when they did go in Houston and beat them. Uh, And I also like the fact that... uh, when you look at Houston's defensive line, yeah, with J.J. Watt and Jadeveon Clowney, like obviously both those guys are are fantastic. But also given the fact that the Colts' offensive line has absolutely improved from past years when Andrew Luck was getting injured all the time and had to miss the entire year last year, I I think their O line can really neutralize uh, their uh, best best players on the Texans' defense. 
Yeah, and not to mention that the Texans O-line has been pretty atrocious as well. So we'll see how well they're able to protect uh, Deshaun Watson. But uh, but yeah, the Colts O-line has been pretty amazing. Yeah, the, the Colts offensive line has definitely been one of the surprise success stories of the season. Uh, and I do think that's that's a big advantage. Uh, I know, Ben, you said you think it's going to come down to the offenses. I definitely agree with that. I think it's going to be a high-scoring and a pretty entertaining game, especially for the Saturday 4.30 time slot, uh, which has not been the greatest of matchups in recent years, especially uh, since ESPN first got this game in 2014. Uh, it's actually, so it's only happened once since Peyton Manning uh, left or so since his last healthy season with the Colts in 2010 that an AFC South team did not play on er, the Saturday 4:30 time slot for Wild Card Weekend and that one time was when the seven eight and one Panthers took on the Arizona Cardinals when they were starting worst uh, Ryan Lindley. worst <laughs> playoff game of all time yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but but. Um, I don't think that necessarily speaks to the poor quality of the Texans and the Colts and more to the great quality of some of the other matchups we have. Um, so I, I think we're we're ready to give our predictions. Uh, I have a feeling I know where both of you guys are going. So, Brian, why don't you start us off? Uh, for oh, the, I'll take the Colts over the Texans 27-24. Uh, All right. Yeah, I definitely am just spitballing with the numbers. I don't I have no clue. I, I I hate getting that specific, but I'm definitely taking the Texans over the Colts. How about um, 30 to 27? All right. And I'm going to take the Colts over the Texans 31 to 24. So that's three close close games, two of us going Indy, one of us going... You know, Ben has three field goals for the Texans. I swear, Fairbairn, he averages like three or four field goals a game. So that's yes. that score might he, sound crazy, but it really isn't. He is a monster <laughs> in fantasy this year. I, uh, yeah. I, I I had him in one of my leagues, and I, I ended up winning that league. So, But also, no, I definitely, dude, nobody ever cares about other people's fantasy leagues, so I'm going to try to <laughs> stop saying stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, but he was a monster. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the Saturday night game uh, at 8.15 on Fox. And that is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Two teams that weren't necessarily expected to make the playoffs at the start of the season. Um, the Seahawks defense, despite having nobody left from the Legion of Boom uh, after Earl Thomas was injured in week four, I believe, they have been phenomenal this year and Russell Wilson I don't think has had nearly as good a year as he had last year but Seattle's still a playoff team and the Cowboys looked like they were dead in the water ready to fire Jason Garrett but they add Amari Cooper mid-season and they won seven of their last eight games to win the NFC East so I definitely think this could be a very intriguing matchup uh we did see it in the regular season back in week three in Seattle with the Seahawks winning but this week they're playing in Dallas. So could we have a different outcome? Oh, definitely. They're different teams too. That was not Amari Cooper Cowboys. And that was Earl Thomas Seattle defense. So it, it's, there's a lot of moving pieces here. So I think it's a completely new ball game. Um, but I, I think on paper, they're pretty evenly matched. I think the Cowboys have the edge pretty much everywhere except the QB position. And, and there I, I trust Russell Wilson in the playoffs way more than I trust Dak Prescott. Uh, although Dak Prescott has 
These looked pretty nice last week. Do you guys see that laser he had when he escaped Ooh, from the yeah. pocket? That was impossible, that throw. That was like, that was insane. I, I, I watched that one a few times, like the replay for that. Uh, but I, Yeah, I definitely like Dak this week against the Giants and the way he played. Yeah. And I mean, it's the Giants, but still, like, I think, uh, especially because it is in Dallas, that maybe bodes better for Dak, but uh, Russell Wilson is not to be doubted in the playoffs. This is definitely my favorite matchup no. of oh. all the wild card games, for sure. It's probably the most even, uh, e- evenly matched we have uh, this weekend. Yeah, I, I could see this game going either way. I think that uh, with Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper, the Cowboys' offense is is great right now. Uh, I think Dak Prescott is really starting to come into his own. Uh, he did have that 400... 50-yard passing game against the Eagles in Dallas a few weeks ago. And uh, I do really like the Cowboys' chances to put up some points against the Seahawks. But Seattle does have a great defense. They are definitely one of those teams that you don't want to see in the playoffs. But I think the same thing can be said about the Cowboys. So I'm, I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I think if the uh, I, I think that both teams have the potential to have good running games. And I think whoever can establish that the quickest... Uh, likely has an edge here. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring, though. No, no. And Seattle's running game has definitely been uh, more of a a moving parts kind of question about who is going to be there with uh, Chris Carson not being the healthiest this season. But when he's played, he's he's definitely been a difference maker for that Seahawks offense. I wish... And Mike Davis, low-key. Yeah, Mike Davis. (laughs) Gamecocks. I wish the Seahawks threw the ball more instead of running it like 97% of the time. Like they, they do have some good receivers, especially Tyler Lockett. If I was watching the Chiefs Seahawks game and they showed the, the stat of uh, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett's connection, and it showed that like out of the 60 plus targets uh, to Tyler Lockett, he's completed um, like f- over 50, like 55 uh, receptions and a perfect passer rating and nine. 10 touchdowns and not one interception was thrown to him as well. So I really, if, wow. if they could, if they could throw a Tyler Lockett more, uh, I think they have a good shot of winning. All right. So are we ready to get into predictions? Yeah, you go first, Corey. All right. So this one, I think it's going to come down to the wire and I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys at home. I think I've been the highest on them this season uh, between the, the three of us, although I know Brian's a big Amari Cooper fan, so that might have changed recently. Uh, I think the Cowboys win on a late field goal, 23-20. to 20. Yeah, the Cowboys went from uh, being a top-five lottery pick to being Super Bowl champions with that Amari Cooper trade. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm as big of a Amari Cooper fan as anybody. But uh, And because of that, I'll actually take the Cowboys – over the Seahawks 24-20 and it's like you I think I don't know if, I think it was you Ben who said that in week 3 they didn't have Amari Cooper and the Seahawks did not uh did have Earl Thomas on the, in, in the same exact game. So because of those two two reasons uh I like the Cowboys and especially at home. Right. Um I'm also going to take the boys. I think they're going to defend Jerry Do- uh, Jerry World and the final score will be 20 to 14. All right, so all going with Dallas. All have similar scores in the low 20s. 
So let's move on to the Sunday games. And at 105 on CBS, we have the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Two teams that we just saw in week 16 in LA with the Ravens pulling out a huge 22 to 10 victory to uh, vault them into first place in the AFC North and ultimately get them into this position. And I'm definitely intrigued by this rematch because I think that the winner of this game could be a huge threat to uh, advance potentially all the way to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I really like the Chargers this year. Uh, I actually have had them uh, in the beginning of the year uh, in the Super Bowl. I, I really like their offense with Rivers, Gordon, and Keenan Allen, and uh, Mike Williams especially has stepped up this year. If that Chiefs game was unbelievable, scoring three touchdowns and the two point conversion uh, to upset Kansas City on the road, and that's another reason why I really like the Chargers. Uh, like their their road performances this year have been really incredible. Like not only beating the Chiefs on the road late in the game, but also beating the Steelers the way they did. Uh, and I really like their defense as well. And with with Bosa and uh, and James and and shout out to Stephen A. Smith. Hunter Henry could come back this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I like the Chargers a lot too, and I think it sucks for the Chargers that in so many years, like Philip Rivers has been so good for so many years, and there's been so little postseason success to show for it. Um, I if we look back, I, I don't remember exactly what week it was, but they these two teams have played earlier this season, and the Ravens won, uh, and the score is deceptively not that close. But uh, the Chargers were driving down the field, only down seven late in the game, and uh, Philip Rivers threw a pick six, and it was you know over after that. It was a fumble, fumble, fumble yeah. recovery. Antonio Gates right. fumbled. Yeah, it. that's right. Antonio Gates fumbled it, and it was. The, like it made the score look less close than it was, but it, it was actually, uh, it, it, you know, it felt like the Chargers maybe had a chance there. Um, that's I think that's going to be the key in this game is who can protect the ball better because Lamar Jackson has his own problems with keeping the ball uh, with his offense. And uh, even though he's looked electric uh, ex- extremely recently, I think uh, it's going to come down to who can keep the ball in their hands. Uh, this is the second overall scoring defense in the league with the Ravens. They've been playing extremely well. Uh, and if anybody can stop this electric electric Chargers <laughs> offense, it might be this, the, this Ravens D in Baltimore. Uh, so I, I think it's going to just be whoever wins that turnover ratio. Yeah, so this is the first time the Chargers are in the playoffs since 2013. Uh, historically, they've done better when they've come out of the wild card round versus when they had a bye, uh, which is the situation they're in now. But just looking back at that game, the Chargers were they they, they were unable to move the ball at all. Uh, they did they, they managed to score ten points, uh, and I know that they they were driving and had a chance at the end, but the Ravens really. I wouldn't necessarily say they dominated them the whole game, but I don't think that there was ever a time in the game where you can't say that the the Ravens were playing better and that the the Ravens were on pace to pull out that, that, that victory. Def- that definitely was uh, a I, concern, even though I've been high on the Chargers all year. That definitely was a hit when they um, when they lost to the Ravens, and th- yeah, and like you said, mm-hmm. they look. Even though the game was close for a while, it didn't look that way. Um, the Ravens looked like they were the much no, better they, team they, in that game. I think they scored 
right at the end of the first half, but they, they were pretty much close to being shut out for two quarters. The The Ravens have been playing so well with Lamar Jackson at their quarterback, and I think having a home game, especially you know against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers at 10 a.m. Pacific time, I think to me that's that's a big advantage. And if the Chargers do manage to pull off this victory, I think that they could be a very scary team going forward. But I do think that Baltimore just given the matchup, that, that offense, it's, it's not ideal. It, yeah. No, and that that offense for Baltimore, it seems like something you should be able to stop. It's it's a you know the college no, I agree. style I don't, I don't running think the Lamar it with everybody. Project is sustainable. Yeah, I I don't know long term, but right now nobody is stopping it. Nobody can figure it out. I think the Browns maybe did in the second half. Uh, you just got to dare the guy to throw the ball, and I and even when they do that, it seems like he comes up and makes a big pass play. So the, mar- the, I, I don't know. The mark it's tough An- for me to pick the against touchdown the touchdown versus Chargers. The Mark Andrews uh, deep ball was definitely his most impressive throw. But outside of that, I, he hasn't looked that great as a you know as a thrower. Like, of course, he's awesome as a runner, but as a thrower, yeah, mm-hmm. he hasn't really yeah, been I mean, that big, great. Big arm, the accuracy isn't quite there. That's his issue. And I think if teams dare him to throw, the Ravens are not going to succeed. But if they're able to run for 250, 300 yards against anybody, I don't know if uh, anyone is going to stop them. Yeah, uh, so. defense wins championships, and nothing supplements a good defense like a good run game. Yep. So uh, I think we can get into predictions now. And Ben, why don't you start us off? All right. Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens over the Chargers 24 to 17. I'll go Chargers 20 to 17. It's going to be... All right, and I'm going to take the take the Ravens 26 to 21. Uh, I does sound like we're all predicting a, a fairly close game here. A couple going Baltimore, one to the Chargers. So uh, definitely, I think that'll be a very, very fun and interesting game that could really shape the rest of the postseason. No, and even if uh, I'm wrong about my prediction on the Chargers and Baltimore ends up winning, they could absolutely go into New England and win. They've had the history of of having close games in Foxborough, and then if they were to beat uh, New England, that they could absolutely beat Kansas City. They uh, they even went to overtime with them this year and almost beat them. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens after that one. But let's move on to our final matchup, and that is uh, Sunday at 440 on NBC. The Chicago Bears hosting the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. So the Bears, the the rejuvenated monsters of the midway defense after acquiring Khalil Mack late in the offseason. New head coach Matt Nagy has been huge for them compared to John Fox the past few years. Mitchell Trubisky is looking competent. So the Bears, 12-4, and four, uh, definitely looking like they could be serious threat in the NFC, but they're going to have def- to survive Nick Foles, who went 3-0 and to sin- finish the season, the Eagles seem like they were dead in the water, yet here they are in the playoffs with their their savior, uh, Foles, leading the way. He did get banged up against Washington, but he is expected to play this weekend. And now the question is, does he still have that magic that he had in him last year, and can he go into Soldier Field and put up points against a very, very good Chicago Bears defense? 
So, um, is this the hardest game to predict all weekend? I think it's the hardest game to predict because I'll go with the Nick Foles. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah Dude, unless I, 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 unless, I, I unless if Nick Foles made the deal with the devil again, I think the Bears are gonna win. <laughs> Nick Foles, dude. Like I could see because I, I honestly think that I, I don't just think I know that the Eagles secondary is atrocious. They're, they're injury ridden. They're like. 30th in the league in pass defense like they're they're bad but it doesn't matter if nick Foles goes for 500 yards and five touchdowns right you know like it, mm-hmm. it's it just the thing that will define this game is whether or not nick Foles decides to go god mode and we've seen it in the past it's i i mean it was an anomaly then but he's already on a roll it'd be a different conversation if we if he hadn't gone three and zero to finish the season so I don't know. I, I seriously cannot predict this. Yeah, I, I understand that sentiment. I think on paper, it's the easiest game. You think the Bears going up against a backup quarterback in Chicago. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but I can't imagine it's going to be a sunny 70 degree day. Uh, and you would think that, yeah, Chicago should have the advantage. But you don't know where you're going to get about these quarterbacks because you, the Bears aren't going to win a game because of Mitchell Trubisky, but they could very easily lose a game because of him. And the Eagles with Nick Foles, like you said, he could come out and throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game because that's something that we've become accustomed to when uh, Foles is playing must-win games. So I, I do totally understand where you're coming from in terms of uh, this game being difficult to I can't predict. totally disagree with that. I just think with how good the Bears' defense is, I don't see Nick Foles putting up God-mode numbers like he did last <laughs> year. But then again, uh, the Vikings defense, they were probably arguably the best defense uh, last year. Well, not than the Jags defense, of course, but uh, they're arguably one of the definitely second. Yeah, they're arguably one of the best last year. And they got, uh, you know, hosed by Foles last year in that NFC Championship game. Totally hosed. That was such a boring game because the Eagles totally annihilated them. Yeah, the game was also in Philly. Uh, We haven't really seen too much of the Nick Foles magic on the road. I know he did beat the Rams and the Redskins, but in the Rams game, those aren't the, the, necessarily Ram, the greatest home yeah, field Yeah, the Rams advantage. game, he didn't even throw a touchdown pass. They went with the running backs the, yeah. that, that entire game. Yeah, and the, the Redskins are more Eagles. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think that uh, it, it would be easy to just dismiss this, but if Foles does come out and win this game, I know Ben and I talked about this on our, our Christmas special, but the Eagles could have a bit of a controversy uh, at the quarterback position for the second straight offseason. And this time, I think there would be legitimate. Can you, can, can you uh, imagine if Nick Foles won a second straight Super Bowl as the backup? <laughs> they'd, they'd have to be like, oh my God, we got to trade once. <laughs> if he wins, yeah, and, if he comes in and wins this one, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's in the record books for most touchdowns in a game, he's thrown seven. Yeah. Yeah, he arguably the best passing game of all time because he threw he had a perfect passer rating that game. Uh, it, I maybe in the I goat conversation is Nick Foles like yeah. better than Tom Brady? I don't know. <laughs> all right, I think I'm I think I'm done. Head to head. I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> yeah, I I do think that this could be more of a debate later, but. I do think you've got to wonder uh, both, you know, what's going to happen with Foles? Is the team going to give him a chance to be a starting quarterback next year? Is that team going to be the Eagles? And at what point do the Eagles start to question what they have in Carson Wentz? 
Uh, I do think it might be a little too overreactionary at this point. Uh, we'll see what happens in Chicago on Sunday. But uh, I do think it'll be an interesting storyline. And Khalil Mack, uh, Adrian Amos, Eddie Jackson, I know he didn't play against Minnesota, but he's a he's an interception fiend, and I, I'm expecting to see him out there. Uh, having Jordan Howard and Tree Cohen in the run game, they have Allen Robinson, a big receiver to throw the ball to. Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton are guys not necessarily putting up great numbers, but certainly have a lot of. Uh, they have the t- they have the talent options to do it. on yeah. that Bears offense. Yeah, yeah. so um, I do think that if the Bears do pull out this win, we could see a, a bit of a playoff run for them. Um, so. With that, do we want to get in predictions, Brian? Forty-five seven Bears. <laughs> wow, I gotta okay. go with one. Okay. Gotta go with one blowout here. A lot of, here, lot right? of points are Trubisky. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I uh, I'll go on the other end of it. I'm gonna go thirteen to ten Bears. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I do think that there's going to be a little bit of points put up. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a huge blowout, but I'm gonna go with the Bears. 31 to 17 and so yeah, i'm excited though because at the end of the day these are also uh, i've just been impressed with what i've seen from matt Nagy this season and doug peterson really impressed me last year uh just with his ability to game plan and get the best out of all of his all of 49 of the guys that or is it 47 and yeah it's 46 46 i think it's 46 okay. seven and yeah after. 46 yeah, guys know. that put on the uniform that day and and i'm uh so I'm excited to see what happens in this game. No matter, it's hard. I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. Yeah, Matt Matt Nagy, in my opinion, was coach of the year this this season, and uh, maybe the defense is mostly because of the move for Khalil Mack. But offensively, uh, if Mitch Trubisky, if he could be like Jared Goff, where he remember when Jared Goff he had Jeff Fisher as his head coach, and he looked like the worst quarterback ever, and then mm-hmm. once he got Sean McVay running things there. He's become, you know, pretty decent quarterback. Top, I don't know if his top ten or top fifteen, but he look he looks like he, yeah, he looks like a pretty so. good quarterback. And if Matt Nagy can turn things around there, maybe Mitch Trubisky, um, he could look better as well. Yeah, I definitely think he's looked better this season. Really, should be an all around fun weekend that'll really set up the playoffs going forward. Uh, but before we finish our NFL playoff talk for today. Let's make our Super Bowl predictions. So we're just going to predict the matchup. Who's making it from the AFC? Who's making it from the NFC? Not necessarily picking a winner right now. So, Ben, how about you start us off? New Orleans versus Kansas City. All right. Uh, I am also going New Orleans versus Kansas City. I'll go New Orleans versus the Chargers. And the only reason reason for that is because I got to pick it and stick it with the nice. prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you d- you didn't do that for baseball. Right, I know. But <laughs> it's it's football season. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, I mean I I couldn't stick with mine cuz I had Viking Steelers, oh. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I mean I I I do think that uh the with the way that Patrick Mahomes has played this season, he's this isn't the Alex Smith Chiefs. If this was, the Chiefs wouldn't have held on to the number 1 seed because of that. I just think home field advantage. We've talked about it. Uh, the team that has hosted the conference championship game the last five seasons has made it to the Super Bowl. So it's it's hard for me to pick against that trend, just knowing how important it has been for a lot of the top teams in the league. So let's 
move on to our quick hitter segment. So, wow, this will be a brief discussion, but a meaningful one because we're going to talk about the college football playoffs. And we have our national championship game set, Alabama versus Clemson, third time in the last four years, fourth year in a row that we're seeing them play in the playoffs after they met in the semifinals last year. And I think the first question is, is this good or bad for college football? I guess it depends on your uh, like opinion of or I guess I, it depends on what you think you could do better um, because you can make the arguments like, well, if Georgia was in the postseason, like if we had more teams, then uh, we would have had another round, you know, potentially better matchups in that round if the first round's all blowouts. Uh, but you can also make the argument that there's only really two teams that qualify to be national title contenders. And we just had a, uh, a couple of games here that were more of a afterthought or a, uh, just going through the motions before we get to the real national title. So the playoffs, it like devalues the first two games of the playoffs because who cares? We know that the best two teams are going to be playing in the title game. Yeah, I think basically everyone thought Alabama-Clemson. Um, it was a, the popular, trendy pick. Clemson blew out Notre Dame. Uh, I, I didn't expect Notre Dame to be held to three points, so that just tells you how great that Clemson defense is, uh, even without Dexter Lawrence, who was suspended. But Alabama, Tua, putting up lots of points, uh, beating Kyler Murray in Oklahoma. So I do think we're seeing the two best teams, and I think – when they met in 2015 and 2016, they were also the two best teams. So I think it's a, a, a Warriors-Cavs kind of thing. Of you're, You don't want to necessarily see the same matchup every year, but you know that you're seeing the two best teams every year. See, the thing is, though, with the Cavs-Warriors, uh, for the first two years, at least you didn't know between the two teams who was going to win the matchup. But after like Kevin Durant showed up, now you know. And <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I hope it's not <laughs> like that with Bama... Uh, yeah, Bama just being way better than everybody. Um, so I hope it's a close game. But yeah. yeah you can hope that all you want, Ryan. <laughs> the, re- the rest of us will be hoping that Alabama smashes Clemson into the oh, dirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot who I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so um, I definitely think that the uh, Alabama hand them the national title story uh, that made most of the regular season is, is way over now. Uh, you know, I know they're still undefeated, but seeing them struggle with the Citadel and then uh, needing their backup quarterback, Jalen Hurts, to come in and save the day against Georgia, I I don't know if Bama is going to blow out Clemson in this game. I, I wouldn't predict that. I do still think the Tide are the best team in college football and they're going to win this game, but I, I think that they're beatable and I can see Clemson pulling putting out all the stops they need on defense and Trevor Lawrence doing just enough to, to win this game for the Tigers. So can we bring up the, um, these illegal substances that the Clemson, that were found in the samples from the Clemson yeah, players? I, I think that's an interesting story. Yeah. I, I don't know the whole thing, but it does put at least the sm- like somewhat of an asterisk on this season to see like, uh, at least one of the best players was using something that is mm-hmm. not allowed. Yeah, it's such a weird story to me because it seemed like he barely tested positive and I've never even heard of a B sample uh, when you talk about guys being suspended for PEDs across other sports and that definitely kind of questions uh, what what exactly was happening there. But I do think that it's something where you got to 
going to put a little bit of value into it because, like you said, he is one of their best players. He's going to be a first-round pick in the draft, and he tested positive for a banned substance. So, And it wasn't just him. It was three guys. Yeah. And you're going to wonder, well, how many other guys are using this, and they didn't have just enough. Yeah, every uh, every molecule of my being is trying to yell like it's Clemson's they're all cheaters like this is, the, the only reason they're good is they're all on, on roids but um yeah I don't know I think it's just uh you don't you know if, if, as a sports fan you you hate to see anything like this where like it puts into question uh the fair play uh you know on the field you, you want all these guys to uh compete at an equal level uh, but also, I don't even know Osterin or whatever it is. Like, I don't even know if that necessarily yeah, I'd, I'd never, makes you better at football, right? So, like, I'd never heard of it. I don't know, yeah, what it is other than it's uh, apparently a band substance, right? But I mean, like, I remember, um, I think it was Corey Redding for the for the Colts getting suspended for some sort of supplement he took that wasn't even remotely related. It was just on the list that you can't have. Uh, like it wasn't, it, he was taking it so that he could be more fertile to like ha- have a kid or something, uh, not to play better football, uh, but he still got suspended for it. So again, uh, you can come at it from two angles, like the angry Gamecocks fan or somebody who's just like, huh? Yeah. What, what else? What's there's probably more to this. <laughs> yep. Um, so I do want to go get into our predictions for this championship game, but before we do that, uh, I would like to talk about Kyler Murray. So Oklahoma Sooners quarterback, one of the greatest passing seasons in college football history, wins the Heisman Trophy, lost to Alabama. Heading into the season, he was just going to play this one year and then go play Major League Baseball after being drafted by the Oakland Athletics in the first round. But now there's a lot of questions about whether or not he should reconsider that and go pro in football. Uh, whether it's just football or try to do both sports. And I'm I'm curious what your opinions are on that. Because I know, Ben, you're a big football guy, not a big baseball guy. And Brian, you're, you're 50-50. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you think Kyler Murray should I do. I would ask Bo Jackson. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. He's probably the only guy who is amazing at both sports. So, oh, Deion Sanders. Mind. That's a good point too. Well, definitely, I think Bo I mean, he Jackson was way better at football, but definitely the best two sport athlete. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also had had his. I mean, maybe issues. it'd be easier for me to lean baseball just because you could have a longer career. But if you're that good at football, you won the Heisman and you led your team to almost the national championship game. I mean, I would. It's definitely a, a hard one to hard one to think about, like which sport well, uh, you should go with. Well, you guys are both way more knowledgeable on baseball than i am what how does he grade out as a baseball he was player like top, russell wilson he, got, he was a top i think he was drafted like i was, he was gonna a say ninth overall or, pick yeah, in the draft 11th or ninth oh. overall pick yeah somewhere okay. in that range then okay yeah so he he's a star center fielder he he has a potential to be a star or at least the thought uh but of course baseball minor leagues it's, it's a long road to get to the show being a first round pick in baseball does not guarantee you a major league career, let alone a good career and uh, the possibility of making hundreds of millions of dollars playing for 15, 20 seasons. Uh, Whereas if Kyler Murray could be a first round pick in the NFL and he can be good enough to get that second contract, uh, quarterbacks get paid a lot of money. If Kyler Murray did uh, talk to Bo Jackson about that decision, I think Bo Jackson would tell you just to go with baseball and not even consider football. Because I remember... Um, he talked, Bo Jackson talked about if he knew 
about the concussion stuff, um, the way it you know, 20 years ago when he was drafted, he never would have played football. That's what he said. In his yeah. Words. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, the SEC and especially Alabama uh, is as close to the NFL as you'll get in college football. So Kyler Murray just got a taste of that. <laughs> he's I'm betting he's like, yeah. uh, no thanks. So I, yeah. if I was him, I would definitely go baseball. Yeah, less chance of ruining your life with substantial brain injuries. And you can still, if he's confident in his own abilities, make a whole lot of money. So uh, I, I think mm-hmm. it would be silly for him to, to play football. And it would be an interesting choice too right because he is such a prolific football player who just continue this trend of people opting out of football uh because it's so dangerous and you know you've only got one life and you don't maybe don't want to waste it getting your your head smashed uh into soup other than Le'Veon bell i can't blame football players ever for holding out uh, to get to yeah. get paid, but, I mean, yeah, Le'Veon Bell just because like he wanted a little bit more money for here, but but other than other than him, like I usually can't blame football players at all for holding out because you could yeah. your career could just end just like that. Right, like, I can't even blame um, Patrick Willis for retiring or even Chris Borland for retiring Johnson. after one year. Yeah, or Calvin Johnson. Yeah, it's just like you know you're out there every single game's in an absolute war zone and. uh well, baseball, if, if you're if you play outfield, you potentially could like sit down and eat a meal and, and then get up and <laughs> still not have missed anything. So uh, not I mean, I, not trying to disparage baseball, but it's definitely by far the safer sport. Yeah, from an injury perspective, especially when you start looking at concussions and the long term effect, baseball would seem to be the smarter choice. But if Kyler Murray can really be a first-round pick and he can really go to a team and they're going to pay him a lot of money and make him their franchise quarterback and he can succeed, I do think there's an argument to at least playing both, if not just choosing football, just because baseball, he got his $4.5 million from the A's, but he's not going to be making a whole lot of more money than that until he does make it to the pros. So, uh, And that, that could be a, a very long path for him, whereas in football, it's it, it's a little clearer how he could get there. So I, I do think that there's an argument to be made about him sticking with the NFL, or at least or not sticking with the NFL, trying the NFL. I, I would like to see him do both. I think that would be kind of fun and interesting because, you know, neither of us got to ex- or none of us got to experience Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. Uh, but I, I definitely would not fault him at all for just saying, yeah, I don't want to get injured playing football. I'm just going to take my chances with baseball and uh, ideally, it'll pan out for him as the ninth overall pick. So uh, let's get back to Alabama Clemson and let's let's do our score predictions. So I'll start us out. Alabama just put up 45 against Oklahoma. They did allow 34. Clemson certainly has the offensive potential I, and definitely have a much better defense than Oklahoma has. So I'm going to go with a little lower scoring, but I think Alabama is going to win this game. 31 to 21. I'll go Alabama 26-23. Tua will suck in the first half. Jalen Hurts will be the man in the second <laughs> half and be the MVP of the game. Nice. Nice. Are they going to win yeah, it'll be the exact same thing, except Jalen will be the hero instead. <laughs> I think it's going to be a competitive one, but I think that Alabama will be the, the clear better team the whole way through. I'm giving it to Alabama 31-24. All right. 
So we'll see what happens. But Ben and I are certainly pulling for Bama. That's yeah, that's all we can do at this point, <laughs> lest we suffer through another Clemson national title. Yep. Uh, so let's move on. We have a, a new segment. So we're going to try to bring two to three segments in addition to what we normally do here. And the first one we have is Embrace the Bait. So less than three weeks after accepting the head coach position at Temple University, Manny Diaz was named the head coach of the University of Miami following the sudden retirement of Mark Richt. That begs the question. If student-athletes that transfer are forced to set out a season, should coaches that leave mid-contract be held to the same rules? I don't think so. Uh, and what I mean by that is I don't think that the players that transfer should have to sit out. Um, I would be interested to hear more from you guys because, again, I, I think you guys know more about college than I do. I'm more of a pro guy. But uh, from my research that I've done, it seems like they're doing that because they want to keep the players' academics as the priority. So they want to make that transition smooth. Am I in the ballpark here? Yeah, that's that's what I, I read as well. I think it makes sense to me why they do that. But I, I also agree with you. I don't think either should be forced to sit out. I get the argument of coaches. It's their job players it's their passion as student athletes, i think that's but... totally garbage <laughs> i i think that like that exact wording because i saw that wording too it, one it's their job one it's their passion it's it's mm. so uh, uh exploiting these students for their free labor like they're out there playing this sport they're the ones risking their bodies and th they already don't get paid and now you're gonna take away a year of their eligibility just because they went to a place where they have a better opportunity i think that's totally garbage and it's just another piece of the college football or, or college athletics program because this also applies to basketball and baseball right um mm -hmm. at least i know does basketball and it's it's just another obstacle that gets in the way of these student athletes success i know that they're students i know we all pretend that's the reason that they're there but i i don't buy it i think the reason they're there is to play the sport they're really good at the sport they're all getting you know, majors that don't really matter. And they're, they know that. So who are we fooling here? <laughs> Before I make my point, can I just read Cardell Jones's tweet when he was at Ohio state, when he said, yeah. <laughs> why should we have to go to class? If we came here to play football, we ain't here. We ain't come to play school. Classes are yes. pointless. <laughs> yes. Uh, the modern day philosopher Cardell Jones stated. Uh, so uh, yeah, I agree. No, but yeah, I, I kind of have the same opinion with you guys. Like, I think the, I think the students or the athletes uh, should not yeah. be able to. They should not get the year off from if they wanted to transfer. They should still be playing the, you know, all four years. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's uh, a very reasonable argument, and I don't see the NCAA changing that anytime soon, though. Uh, it seems like they've been very steadfast with their, their treatment of student-athletes and their definition of that and their idea that they're, they are there for an education and that the athletics come second, which with a lot of the major programs does not always seem to be I, the case. I, I hate so, that in college basketball that you have to play one year in college before you can go to the NBA. Like, you know, and be, and be forced yeah, to go that's to school, an NBA especially rule, some, not an NCAA rule, especially but. since like all the top guys in the draft are just freshmen who just stay a year and then go straight to the NBA. They, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, not even a full year because they, they leave in April to start preparing for the draft. I like uh, um, what Mark Cuban said. Um, they players should just go to the straight to the D League if they need you know more reps before they you know show up in the professional leagues. Or even mm-hmm. do what Emmanuel Moutier did, yeah. just play in China for a year or something. <laughs> but yeah. being for being yeah. forced to go so, to school, like just so you can, you know, before you go to the NBA, it's just the worst. I I do agree with that. Um, I think the the Manny Diaz situation is a little different than some of the others because he so he was the defensive coordinator for Miami for the past three seasons under Mark Richt, and when the the head coaching job surprisingly opened up. Uh, he never even went to Temple. I think he, he went to Philly for like a few days before coming back. Um, but uh, Dana Holgerson, head coach for West Virginia, had a year left on his contract, tried to get an extension. He wanted more money than West Virginia was willing to pay him. Now he just announced that he's going to be the head coach for Houston. And he's going to be making uh, more money than any coach in the uh, group of five. So... That's the situation. He's still under contract at West Virginia, but he leaves to go coach Houston. And I think it would be fair to say, all right, well, now you need to sit out for a year because you have that year at West Virginia. Uh, I don't see that ever happening. I don't know the logistics of that, how a team would uh, basically have an interim coach and uh, having to pay multiple guys like that. But uh, I do think it's an interesting to see what will happen. Uh, I think that the NBA could set a precedent by not forcing players to play uh, in the collegiate level or, you know, at least sitting out a year after high school. Uh, And that could certainly make some similar changes with the way that student athletes are treated when it comes to the transfer rules. It's also crazy because the student athletes, they only get four years of eligibility. And like these coaches, they can just coach as long as they want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's another another point. So. All right, so let's move on to our next segment, and that is called Wiki Geeks. So here's one where we basically read through a sports-related Wikipedia page, and we learn a little bit about it, and we find some things that we didn't know, and we expand upon it. And all the information that we're going to talk about is something that we can find on Wikipedia. And uh, for this episode, our Wiki Geeks topic is the NHL Winter Classic. So the NHL Winter Classic is an annual event that's been held since 2008. It is an outdoor game, a celebration of returning to the game's roots uh, with the the memories of pond hockey uh, before we had all these big arenas indoors to play in. And uh, this year's game was played uh, January 1st, and it was the Boston Bruins defeating Chicago Blackhawks at Notre Dame Stadium in Notre Dame, Indiana. So, uh, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? What did, what did, what did we learn here? Well, I learned that this existed. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's a cool idea having an outdoor game. Um, is, but, uh, is this outside of like the regular season? Like it's just a standalone game? No, it's part of the regular season. Still. No. It, yeah. This is considered a regular season. game. That's interesting. Does that have any, do, do players, is that, uh, like a similar impact as maybe like a London game for the NFL where you're yeah. like, this is outside of the realm it's of like a normal football you know, it's game. Not a home. Or, right. But it still yeah, counts it, as regular season win or loss. Yes. Okay. So somebody's losing a home game to this. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah, and it was, it's interesting this year in that the Blackhawks were losing a home game, and they were playing in a city that's in a different state. No, you, you, I know yeah, they, were, they were less than 100 I mean, miles yeah, away. Yeah, you say but... that it's, you lose a home game, but you're, you're still... Look, for the, for the Bruins, their first uh, Winter Classic took place at Fenway Park, which is obviously in Boston, so like, it's obviously going to be mm-hmm. majority... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shocker there, yeah. It's going to be a majority <laughs> of Bruins fans, and then the same with Gillette Stadium when they had it the second time. And then the game that they had today took place at Notre Dame Stadium, um, which is uh, X number of miles from uh, where sh- the Blackhawks play. So I think it was like 60 or 70 mm-hmm. miles. I'm not sure the exact distance. But uh, obviously because of that, the that game was a home a home game for the, the Chicago Blackhawks instead of the Bruins, of course. Yeah, so it's actually interesting, though, in the idea of losing a home game. So the first ever Winter Classic, the Buffalo Sabres hosted the Pittsburgh Penguins at uh, then known as Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. And to celebrate the the 10 year uh, or the yeah, the 10th anniversary of the first Winter Classic, the uh, NHL decided the January 1st, 2018 game. So last year uh, would feature the Buffalo Sabres. But Buffalo, they, they didn't want to go back to the uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium. There's no no other Buffalo professional sports arena that they were you know, outdoors that they were going to uh, legitimately host this. So uh, they were going to have it against the New York Rangers. And the Rangers would be considered the home team with the game at City Field. But they weren't able to do that because the so i guess back in 1982 uh the rangers had an agreement uh with madison's square garden and new york city there are just some tax laws basically said the rangers can't play any home games outside of msg uh whether that is a you know just playing playing a home game away at any other venue so because of that the sabers were technically considered the home team at that game at city field but the game is in New York City, so it was effectively a 40-second home game for the Rangers and a 40-second away game for the Sabres. So that was very interesting, and that was not something that I realized. So the Sabres were a case where they actually lost it. Pretty home savvy game. move there by MSG, the management there, to pull <laughs> some strings. Yeah, yeah. who could have done that's, that? <laughs> that's real home field advantage. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, honestly, uh, the most interesting thing for me is just like doing this with your sport, right? Taking it back to the roots uh, and, and just kind of celebrating where you came from and also the ability to do so. Uh, like the, the hockey, if it's cold outside and stuff freezes, you can skate on it, uh, which is really cool. I think they should do this with the NBA and have like a uh, outdoor pavement uh, basketball <laughs> game so that we can see some blood on the court. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, to see you guys flying so, around, have the chain nets too. Like it would be, uh, it would be some real old school stuff. Do it in the inner city somewhere. Just yeah, play just it, make play it longest yard style where like Adam Sandler <laughs> and Michael Irvin were like in their <laughs> like beanies and like the hot weather too. <laughs> Yeah, I do like the idea. I mean, already, I, it always amazes me, honestly, with football, how they're so versatile and able to go from different 
material uh i mean i guess it's mainly just turf and grass but uh to be able to switch between the two and to uh play indoors and outdoors you know without even really mentioning it i mean i guess we do like with kickers you're like oh he's gonna be kicking in the dome at least eight games a season so uh but it's uh, a distinction that becomes more important with sports where you always play indoors so i think it'd be cool to see basketball even if it's just for fun i would love to see some nba pros out outside yeah, no, I I think it'd be cool. It's something they've done in college, uh, playing on a, a carrier ship. Um, I think it was back in like 2011. Really? So, yeah. Cool. yeah, it was, yeah, uh, it was North a North Carolina Veterans Day State, game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so so going back to the the Winter Classic Wikipedia page, uh, I think I I guess I had always kind of realized this every year. I've I've heard the matchups. But there, so there's 31 NHL teams. Only 11 teams have participated in this uh, event, and it's happened 11 times now. So it's it's always the same teams: the Blackhawks four times, the Bruins three times, the two teams that played today. Uh, you've also had the Rangers, Capitals, Red Wings, Penguins, Sabers, and Flyers. You've each gotten two appearances, and then from there, it's just Canadians, Blues, and Maple Leafs once. So they did announce that the January 1st, 2020 game would feature the Dallas Stars. Uh, hosting at the Cotton Bowl, which should be a fun one. So that will get us a new team, at least one new team. But I, I do think it would be be cool to see more teams get the opportunity to play this game because obviously the NHL wants a marquee matchup. They want to have uh, teams that are going to draw viewers because this is one of the uh, most watched regular season NHL games of the season every single year. But um, I do think it'd be cool to see more teams get this opportunity. I mean, obviously, teams like the Bruins, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Penguins, like t- teams like that, they're they're obviously favored in um, in the ratings. But you know what you can do to add more teams, like in, you know how you said it's only been eleven teams in the eleven games. Like maybe mm-hmm. uh, a way to add more of those other teams is have teams like maybe Edmonton with Connor McDavid. Like maybe it's not a popular team, but they have a player in the making who could be become like one of the greatest players of all time. Um, so maybe add teams like that. Maybe that aren't as popular, but they have star mm-hmm. caliber players that um, can really make a difference. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see that. But I know another factor is they do have the Heritage Classic which is always all Canadian teams. The Maple Leafs are the only Canadian team to play in the NHL Winter Classic. Uh, but it would be that, w- that would be a good way to get some teams. And obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're not going to play a, an <laughs> yeah. outdoor hockey game at Raymond James Stadium in <laughs> 75 degrees. Yeah, so uh, you're not going to play Arizona in Miami. Coyote, so there, there are some Arizona limitations uh, from that. With that roster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but it, it would be interesting to maybe see a little more variety. So I'm glad that the Stars are going to get a chance. They're probably going to end up playing the Blackhawks. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. That, that is, should be um, Is it really interesting true that one. only Montreal is the only Canadian team? Oh, you're right. Montreal Canadians. Oh, okay. Maple I was going to right. say the Maple Leafs should yeah. totally have one of those games. If Now that they have Austin Matthews mm-hmm. and John Tavares there. Yeah, I don't know where they would play, though, because... The, uh, I'm pretty sure their CFL stadium <laughs> is the Rogers. No, I mean, no, they could be like the road team, though. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, true. You're and, right. And, they were the road team. So they're actually the road team as well. Like, where are you going to play? Where yeah, are you you're right. Play outdoors? You're right. <laughs> there. Yeah. You literally have to yeah, get yeah, a pond. I don't know. <laughs> like you couldn't, you couldn't find a stadium <laughs> there. So, 
the 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 2014 game that featured the Maple Leafs against the Red Wings at uh, Michigan Stadium, 105,000 paid attendance, the the largest ever for a hockey game, and also had the highest television viewership in uh, North America for a regular season game. So this is a game that it, it's drawn interest. I know the TV ratings have been in decline in recent years, but uh, you're, you've had four and a half million people tune in to watch this game. Uh, so it's it's definitely a very interesting and a, a fun event, and I think it'd be cool to bring it to more more cities. Uh, Stick for with that football reason. stadiums too. A lot of the games that I've liked the most were um, were in football stadiums, whether it was Ann Arbor or Notre Dame yeah. or or Gillette. Like I don't yeah, like, at least in yeah, football like in, you in get Fenway like that Park bullshit. and Wrigley Field. Like it's in a diamond. Like <laughs> there are gonna be some seats that can't uh-huh. even see the game at all. <laughs> no, no, and I like can't imagine. Was, well, they were showing Notre Dame Stadium, and I was just like zoomed out, and like I can't imagine being up at the top because you're not gonna be able to see anything. Like you'd basically like, have to watch. Like it already the sucks being in the outfield watching a baseball game. Like how much? Like it, it's already. It'd be even much worse <laughs> watching a hockey game in, in the in the outfield. Yeah, and it, with, with the with playing in football stadiums, you you do have to deal with uh, regular season and playoff games uh, in the NFL, as well as some some stadiums. You do have to deal with bowl games if they they host those. Um, being on January, the 1st worst is year. definitely uh, but, college basketball when they have the Final Four and it's like in Cowboy Stadium, and you're up in the yeah. you're in the upper decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I just watch it on TV at yep. that point. <laughs> no, actually, I you know what I'm excited for? Have you guys seen the commercials for the VR NBA pass? No. Oh, oh, the yeah, Jonah yeah, Hill and uh, Adam Levine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I. That's yeah. Once they have that for football, where like you can float above the quarterback and look around or something, like I'm definitely gonna get into that. I mean, the NBA pass, I might even try to. Two hundred dollars a bit expensive for one thing, so maybe not. But once that becomes more accessible, I think that's gonna be really cool. It might you know get people to uh tune in to live sports or rather opt out of going there themselves if they can have that feeling of being courtside virtually i don't know i think it's interesting yeah and there'll be mm-hmm. more people who think they can actually play in the nba like jonah hill and Adam yeah <laughs> <laughs> get drafted at 30 plus years old <laughs> yeah all right so i think that's enough of the winter classic and wikipedia so let's move on to our final segment and i know we did some rebranding we did some changes but one thing that is not going away is the top five so on december 30th lebron james and tiger woods both celebrated their birthdays uh it's very interesting that two prominent athletes like that share the same birthday so for all intents and purposes let's say lebron james is the second greatest of all time behind michael jordan uh, I think that's that's really where the argument should should be right now. It, according to the NBA, they still say Michael Jordan is the greatest all time officially, and it's hard to say that anyone is better than LeBron for number two in the sport of golf. I don't necessarily know where Tiger Woods ranks among uh, some of the all time players because there have been a lot of great ones uh, over the the 150 years or so of that being a professional sport, but he ranks second in major tournament victories to Jack Nicklaus. So we can say he's at least second uh, when it comes it's, to it's, it's either major him or championships. Jack. Yeah, that's that's what I would think. Um, but that's a that's a whole lot of number two. So and that's fine because yeah, for, second in majors. Still <laughs> yes, needs, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's my thought. That's what, that's how right. I'll, I'll start this. So uh, for that, we're going to put a list of 
uh, our five favorite second things for today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So uh, we're going to do this in the style because there's three of us where we're going to read through our entire list one at a time and then move on to the next person rather than rotating through five, four, three, two, one. And for second, it could be the second best, something that is considered second, rank second, whatever. Just something that you can say is definitively second. So. All right. I am ready for this. Okay. Right, so I'm, I'll get it started off with number five. My number five second best thing is Sierra Mist because I never, ever request Sierra Mist. I say Sprite. And then they say, we don't have Sprite. Is Sierra Mist okay? And since it's second best, I always say yes. But I always prefer Sprite. <laughs> which uh, is obviously number one, and Sierra Miss number two. Uh, moving on to my number four, the aisle seat in a plane. And when we're talking about this, this is, well, I guess it actually includes when you only have two seats, uh, but I'm thinking three seats. If we had to rank the three seats on one side of a plane, um, for me, the window seat is obviously number one because, A, you get to look out the window, uh, and B, nobody climbs over you when they go to the bathroom. Yes, you have to climb over other people if you have to go to the bathroom, but if you're like me, you dehydrate yourself dangerously when you get on a plane so that you'd never (laughs) have to get up. Uh, So that makes the... Yeah, so that makes the aisle seat the second best because obviously the middle seat is the worst. Um, So my number four second best thing is the aisle seat on an airplane uh moving on to my number three second best thing the being the vice president because obviously being the president is the best one and being the vice president is the you get to be president uh but without any of the responsibilities all you have to do is make sure you don't die just in case the president dies well you also have the 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 veto in the senate but that i mean that's not that bunch of a big responsibility that's not like an everyday thing so uh you get to do all the fancy president stuff and be the president's best friend uh but you don't have to do all the big responsibility stuff so it's second best also i had my i had the vice president on the mind because i just saw vice uh starring christian bale as dick cheney i highly recommend it it is a good uh it's a it's an interesting movie. I, I think that you can make your own opinion whether you think it's good or not. But it, it's uh, it's kind of unique. It's a it's like a dark dramedy, I would say, and uh, it is funny. It made me laugh. But anyways, being vice, do you think affable chat might take that on? In the probably in the future. I I was one of my criticisms about the movie is I need subtitles because there's a lot. I think that dialogue is really important, and sometimes I can't understand what they're saying. Uh, so I. But yeah, maybe Affable Chat in the future. And it's interesting that you mention Affable Chat, Corey, because we're on to my number two second best thing, uh, the second best thing on my list of second best things. And uh, that is the Globo Gym Dodgeball Team, because they came in second in the Vegas Dodgeball Tournament uh, to the average Joes. And if you... If that's sparking any memories for you, the listener, uh, you can go listen to Corey and I and my Apple Chat co-host Joey breaking down that movie uh, on our podcast. Just go search Apple Chat wherever you get your podcasts. But yes, Global Gym, a great, uh, you know, honestly, a uh, imp- they put together an impressive run in that tournament, uh, and it was a, it was an absolutely close finish. But they came in second, which makes them the second best dodgeball team, at least in the dodgeball universe. And on to my number one, and this was the first thing I thought of when I thought of second bests was 
Travis Kelsey because he's the second best at receiving yards in a single season, obviously <laughs> second to the far superior San Francisco 49ers tight end George Kittle, who is the owner of that record as of week 17, 2018. So Travis Kelsey, second best at receiving yards tight end uh, in history of the NFL uh, because he's far uh, inferior to the, the true number one George Kittle for the 49ers, of course. I th- I thought that was uh, super interesting how Travis Kelsey broke the record and then George Kittle broke it like an I'm hour actually later. not sure like let's say that they had been switched if the 49ers had played at the one o'clock and the Chiefs had played later maybe well they both played later they both, they both played the 425 yeah yeah okay well they knew what they needed to get the last drive of the game they knew they had to get uh how many yards they needed him to get to break the record so like they even talked about it after the game like all the Niners were like this season was awful we wanted to have something to hang on our like we could say (laughs) it was good so they they were like it's going to you Kittle like we're gonna get you the opportunity to break the record it's on you to get the yards uh and he went out and did it in style he broke the record on a breakaway touchdown so it was uh it was big time. So that actually adds to my argument that they play at the same time and uh, Kittle came out on top. So uh, yep. George Kittle, well, I'd rather Travis Kelsey, second best. All right. So, Brian, do you want to do uh, this? No, you can go next. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my my number five is the chicken or the egg. I don't know which one came first. I don't know which one came second, but I love chicken. Uh, I, I'm definitely a big steak guy, but recently I've tried to cut out red meat um, as much as possible. So I've, I've really been enjoying chicken. I eat a chicken sandwich at work every day when I eat in the cafeteria. Uh, it's definitely uh, in many shapes and forms. It's, it's one of my favorite meats. So big chicken fan. I also love eggs. So uh, I think it's a an essential part of any great breakfast platter is in my preference an over easy egg, though I do enjoy scrambled eggs as much as anybody. Number four is Shrek 2. And uh, in my opinion, this is one of the better sequels of all time. And I think Shrek 2 is better than the original Shrek. Uh, just some great characters that were added. I think uh, the soundtrack is awesome. Really, really interesting storyline to continue the the great story that the original Shrek started. Wait, wait, and that is wait, also wait, so. It's the second what? best, even though you think it's the. No, no, it's the second. It's the sequel. I I think it's the first best, but the oh, second. Okay. Got it. Movie. The first Shrek yes. is better. <laughs> that's just my opinion. That's, that's that's my opinion. A, I'm with you. I'm with another you. Brian Shrek Two also really good though. You can check out Affable Chats. Yes. Uh, also, Shrek 2 <laughs> podcast. Right. For Another more on that one. Number three, I have Take Care, which is Drake's second studio album. And Headlines is one of my favorite songs, if not my the, the top favorite song, definitely my favorite rap song of all time. Uh, so that to me, that, that album, uh, I think a lot of people consider that Drake's best album. And it's it's his second second album. He's created a lot of good ones since then. But just going back to that uh, number number two by Drake, uh, I definitely put "Take Care" as uh, one of, one of the better albums out there, uh, and his personal best. Number two, Pennsylvania, the second state to enter the Union uh, when they ratified the Constitution back in 1787, and. Uh, 
I have a lot of family from Pennsylvania. That's why I'm a big Pittsburgh sports fan. Uh, back in Latrobe, I've I've made plenty of visits there for Pittsburgh sports games as well as family reunions. And in my opinion, it's the second best state in the country after just my home state of New Hampshire. And the reason why New Hampshire wins is because they have no sales taxes. So it's always a pleasant surprise when I'm I'm back here and I'm uh, shopping and I realize, oh, wait, the price is actually what I'm paying because there's no tax. And number one, while he is number two, at least for now, may not be next season. It is Juju Smith-Schuster, the second best receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. and. He won team MVP. I think that's part of the controversy that's uh, coming with Antonio Brown and uh, the potential that he may want out of Pittsburgh. But at least for now, Juju Smith-Schuster, just an all-around fun player to watch. Uh, he's made a huge difference for a Steelers team that didn't have a one of their better weapons of the past few seasons in Le'Veon Bell. And just an all-around entertaining guy just on the internet. I know he's a big Fortnite streamer, uh, big Twitter guy. He he announced that he would play Week 16 against the Saints despite a groin injury because he couldn't let down his uh, fantasy owners in the championship game. So for me, Juju Smith-Schuster is my number one, number two. Yeah, I guess while we're on the topic, I, I like this as your number one of your number twos because Juju's great. Um, but Antonio Brown is San Francisco, though. Like... <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, although number 84 is taken by Kendrick Bourne, uh, he could always be number 86. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Might be reason. I might. For him not to go there. <laughs> he wants to go, though. He's a, he followed a bunch of the Niners on, on Twitter recently, uh, including Jimmy. And, uh, you know, he's been replying to the Niners who are actively recruiting him. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did see that. And as much as I don't like the Steelers, I do like Juju a lot for sure. And um, he he's definitely the man for shouting out to his fantasy owners and letting him know that he's going to uh, attempt to win the title, f- uh, you know, for the fantasy owners. And he's also the man <laughs> for I think I think he bought like a hundred lottery tickets uh, to get Le'Veon oh, Bell yeah. to come back to the team. Yeah, yeah. I, I love. I remember when I got that, uh, I got a Bleacher Report notification on my phone. It said Steelers player buys a hundred lottery tickets so Le'Veon Bell can come back. And I knew, like, it didn't even say Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> but I'm like, who else on the team would do this besides him? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. classic Juju. So he's, I actually love that uh, pick for your number one, uh, second best. And so I'll give my list. Uh, for number five, I went with the Butler Bulldogs. Uh the men's college basketball team, uh, they went to the national championship game two years in a row, especially as an underdog, and lost both times. The first year, they were um, a half-court shot away from winning it all, but the second time, they got obliterated by UConn. But even though they did lose both those games, uh, getting to the Final Four, or the national championship game two years in a row, might have led or not might have, like, it was probably a huge reason why Brad Stevens is now currently the Boston Celtics head coach. For number four, I went with Phil Mickelson. Uh, I know before we started this segment, we talked about if Tiger or Jack Nicklaus is the best golfer uh, of all time. Well, um, no matter what your opinion is on that, obviously Tiger in 
today's era, he's no doubt the best golfer. And he do- he's dominated the sport for so long that he really didn't even have a rival. I- and Phil Mickelson is really the only rival you could consider uh, uh, during you know, during the early late nineties or early two thousands. And there was, I remember when I was watching a uh, random YouTube video on uh, both tiger and Phil, there was uh, right before they were about to tee off. The lady was like listing all of tiger's accomplishments before, before they tee off. And then Phil was <laughs> got so tired of me. He's like, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. He's won. <laughs> he's won all of his awards. Like we know already you don't need to list every single tournament. He's won. He's probably won like, <laughs> 200 of them (laughs) and then so uh for number three i went with peyton manning um and obviously as a patriots fan i might i'm obviously not the biggest peyton manning fan but he at the same time he's made a lot of patriots games and has made the brady manning rivalry uh really special and and honestly he's in my opinion my favorite sb host as well he did a fantastic job doing uh the segment where he's hosting his first Super Bowl party and then like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, twenty eight to three, yep. like only the greats can pull this one off and <laughs> and and then he's showing it <laughs> he's showing his emotion uh you know at the end of the game when the Patriots made their comeback. Yeah, he's wearing an Atlanta yeah. Falcon shirt. I, I, I do like love that really I, I do love that first part where he's like, Oh man, like I'm just rooting for some clean football. I don't even have a you know, dog in this fight, and all of a sudden, Julio <laughs> catches a pass, and then it was like, "Oh, first down, go Falcons, rise up!" It was, like, it was awesome, and then, and then uh, yeah. the the part where he did the video where he's at the retirement home, and then he hates this this Ruth lady, and then all of a sudden she he finds out that it's Brady's gr- <laughs> grandmother, and then grandmother. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh," I, yeah. and then Brady's like, "Oh, I used to play football with Peyton," like, and then Ruth goes like, "Oh, oh, that's wonderful. Did, did you win five Super Bowls too?" And then Peyton, just... <laughs> <laughs> but so I love Peyton for being yeah. a good sport. My my personal my personal favorite SB host was Seth Meyers, but I did think Peyton did a great job with that, and obviously he's done some some very entertaining commercials throughout yeah, his career. Yeah, I agree, and. Uh, for number two, I went with 22 Jump Street. Uh, a lot of people probably think the first or 21 Jump Street was the better movie and, uh, or honestly, usually sequels aren't, usually aren't as great as the first movie in any series, but you could make a case that 22 Jump Street uh, was actually the funnier or better movie. Um, I won't give any spoiler alerts <laughs> for people who haven't seen it, but a couple of the funniest scenes, uh, movie scenes I've ever, uh, watched in that, in that movie and maybe a future affable chat, uh, episode, maybe, maybe, Ooh, maybe, maybe scribbles uh, down on yeah, a piece it, of paper. Yeah. yeah. Even though I am not part of <laughs> that podcast, like maybe <laughs> recommendation. Okay. Um, and then for number one, I went with uh, Shawshank Redemption, which actually is an affable chat episode that you can that you can tune into. And if you're wondering why I have that as a second best, uh, f- during the Oscars, I think Forrest Gump, uh, it took down Best Picture and Best Actor and a lots of other awards that Shawshank easily could have won. And it's honestly one of my favorite movies. And Honestly, Forrest Gump, I think, is my favorite movie. My second favorite movie might be Shawshank Redemption. It's uh, I'd rec- recommend it to any, literally anyone, any human yes. being on Earth. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are. I, if you haven't I watched, echo that. if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption, you should. 
It is an excellent movie, and it's t- probably Tim Robbins' best, and probably Morgan Freeman's best movie, unless if you really liked him as God in, Br- in Bruce Almighty. But <laughs> but other than that, uh, I think it's a very excellent movie that anyone I would recommend to anyone. All right, yeah, I d- definitely a big Shawshank fan. Um, and that was that was interesting. That I I didn't know what you were uh, including it here as your your second best for, but the the Oscars definitely makes sense. So that concludes the first episode of He's Done It, and uh, we're going to try to get you an episode every week during the NFL playoffs. Uh, from there, we'll we'll be more on a biweekly basis, but. Uh, where you know give us give us a follow on twitter at he's done it pod and uh, continue to to listen like subscribe and uh, really try to help us grow this podcast we're, we're very excited about the the new rebrand that we've done and uh, we think this could be a, a continue to be a very entertaining podcast for our listeners so uh, do either of you guys have anything to leave us with he's done it <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha